Welcome to Growing Up Skywalker. My name is Anna. And I'm Sam. And today we are finishing off The Clone Wars Season 4, Episodes 9 and 10, the second half of the Umbaran arc. To Umbaran, too furious. Oh, man. Okay, we're covering Plan of Descent and Carnage of Krell today. Which kind of gives away what's going on. Yeah, a little bit of a spoiler in the title there, Dave Filoni. (laughs) So we pick up right after the clones have captured the airbase on Umbara. But even though the mission was a success, the Umbarans are still getting supplies, but now they're not getting them from the airbase. They're getting them from a supply ship that's orbiting the planet. Mm-hmm. And they have some very scary long-range missiles and some other terrifying weapons that are not good news for our clone friends. According to Fives, they have a 100 megaton yield, which is roughly twice as powerful as the strongest bomb that humans have ever deployed. Oh, boy. Yeah. Oh, boy. Okay. Well, so Krell gets a holocron from Kenobi and he says, okay, we're going to meet you at the rendezvous point. We're going to storm the capital together. But the Umbarans are jamming the signal. And so Kenobi's holocron dissolves before they can coordinate the attack, which to me seems important. Yeah. Rex disagrees that this is the right path forward, rightfully so. And Krell you know, as one does, is not having it. So when Rex takes the news that they're going to be storming the Capitol to the rest of the troopers, they have exactly the same thought process that I have been having, which is Krell is totally, completely out of control. Yeah, yeah. Fives says, we will definitely die. Jesse says, why does Pong Krell hate clones? And Dogma's like, you're all... Overreacting. This is fine. Everything's fine. Yes. So Fives has a better idea. They cracked the software on the Umbaran starfighters. And Mm -hmm. so Fives wants to use the ships to slip through the Umbaran defenses. He wants to destroy the supply ship from behind enemy lines. But when Rex takes that proposal to Krell, he will not sign off on it. Well, he says, I can't waste clones on that. Which is hilarious because he's happy to waste clones in every other situation. So this is clearly about power. Yeah, because Rex is like, it's literally three bodies. I know. Just, yes. Anyway, I have lots of thoughts. So Rex and Fives have a big fight outside of the barracks and Fives eventually storms off to Mm -hmm. find some pilots to do the plan anyway. It's very sexy of him, but he gets hard case (laughs) to try out one of the starfighters that they cracked. And he just immediately causes just wreckage everywhere. It's a complete repeat of when they stole him the first time, except now he's inside a hangar. So he knocks over every other fighter and eventually shoots the doors open. Yeah, he causes so much damage in 25 seconds that Krell calls in and he's like, what is going on? And I think Fives has to be like, fine, fine. Everything's fine down here. I don't know what you're talking Slight about. weapons malfunction. <laughs> Hard cases blowing a hole in the side of the airbase. Mm-hmm. Oh, it was so great. They have to tell him it's a booby trap. So Krell is like, the ships are too dangerous. Lock them down. Mm-hmm. But Fives is a man with a plan. He gets inspiration from Anakin in The Phantom Menace. He's like, we just need to get into the supply ship. We just need to hit the main reactor from the inside. Easy peasy. Easy peasy lemon squeezy. So he and Jesse in a hard case hop in and fly off. Meanwhile, 
Dogma wakes up, looks over at their bunks and sees that none of them are there mm-hmm. and is like, hey, Tup, where did they go? And Tup's like, I am sure I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. So Hardcase and Jesse and Fives barely squeak their way out because Rex has to intercept mm-hmm. Dogma and Tup, who were on their way to report to Krell, who also noticed that they had taken off. And Rex covers for them. He's like, he ah, yes, I sent out a reconnaissance mission to make your strategy more effective. Sir. Yeah, which is... You're welcome. Effective managing up right there. That was actually so great. Yeah. So they go zooming through the clouds, and then all of a sudden, they're in the middle of a massive space battle. Kenobi mm-hmm. was not kidding. They are really doing the work to try to take out the supply ship. So they make it into the supply ship, and surprise, surprise, it is full to the brim of battle droids and tactical droids, separatists out the wazoo. Not really a problem. What is a problem is that one of the battle droids survives, sees that his clones inside these clear bubble cockpits, and is like, hey, there's clones infiltrating. Yeah, I guess I expected them to maybe steal some Umbaran suits or armor, but they just really look like clones in stolen Umbaran starfighters. They do. Pretty fun. They are so close to destroying the main reactor, but the tactical droid in charge fires up the ray shields right before their missiles can hit the reactor. Mm -hmm. So... Hardcase does the bravest thing we've seen in a while. He jumps out of his ship. He pulls one of the missile pods off of the side, off of one of the legs. He walks it through a service door and he flings it into the main reactor. And just before the ship explodes, he goes, live to fight another day, boys, and valiantly sacrifices himself. The ship explodes. Fives and Jesse zip out and we just flash to Rex and he's looking up at the sky and smiling. They did it. They destroyed the supply ship. Mm-hmm. But Krell is ready for them. At the end of the episode, he takes them up into his tower and Fives and Jesse will be court-martialed, found guilty, and executed for their crimes. Which leads us right into the final part of this arc, Carnage of Krell. <sighs> Man. Our actions define our legacy. Oh, God, I love that fortune cookie. So Fives and Jesse are in the brig. They're ready to be court-martialed. And Rex is like, hey, General Krell, they did the right thing. We can't go forward with this court-martial. This is crazy. And Pong Krell says that clones have been disobeying him since the beginning because they are defective and unable to succumb to his authority. So he says, yeah, you're right. We can't have a court-martial. We should just kill them. We should Let's dispose, dispose of, of them, them immediately. No trial, mm. no judge, no jury, straight to the firing squads. So they fought, they go down this cool elevator made out of light down into the brig and grab Jesse and Fives. And Rex is like, I'm sorry. And Fives tries to talk with him. And Rex is like, I'm sorry, it's out of my hands. And Fives is like, well, you know. We knew that it was going to end this way. We knew that one way or the other it was going to end in a court-martial because we definitely disobeyed orders. Jesse's like, I don't know about that. Yeah. I just didn't like this Krell guy. So Tup and Dogma are in charge, are in the firing line. And Dogma's actually the ready-aim fire guy. 
as they're the, they're up against the wall. Mm-hmm. They're lit by floodlights. Floodlights. They refuse to be blindfolded. And right as we are about to hit fire, Fives gives them a speech. I hope you can live with yourself, Dogma. You know this is wrong, and we all know it. No clone should have to go out this way. So they fire. Every single one of them aims above the head. Yeah. Every single clone intentionally misses their shot, and then Mm -hmm. they drop their guns. They won't do it. So Rex orders their handcuffs taken off, and they head to Pong Krell right as they're talking to Pong Krell. Because he saw this all from his tower, and he's like, this is crazy. What's going on? They get a hologram from the field. From Waxer. From Waxer, who says, hey, we're under attack. We think that they've seized uh, clone weapons and armor. We're at this location. We need help. And Pong Krell says, well, it looks like you've staged your execution. And he sends out the forces to go to this location. So we go into an ambush. The troops are running along. There's blue laser fire everywhere coming from every direction. And they're like, oh, no, it's the Umbarans in clone armor shooting back and forth. Rex sees one of the dead enemy. His helmet's fallen off and it's just another clone. He goes over because one of the clones is like cradling another clone in Mm -hmm. death. And he takes the helmet off and he finds out it was a clone. Yeah, Yeah. It was the clones all along. It's been brother against brother. They've been killing each other the whole time. So- they Rex orders everyone to take off their helmets and they're charging forward. There's a very intense scene as one of the clones from the 212th is staring through his scope at Rex and is about to pull the trigger when Rex pulls his helmet off and then he gasps and sees it's a fellow clone. So everyone just falls apart and they're in each other's arms and they finally get to the opposing squad leader and it's Waxer. He's dying. He's dying. He has a Numa sticker on his helmet. Oh, if you don't remember Waxer, he's from the Ryloth arc at the mm-hmm. end of season two. I believe so. Yeah, one of uh, one of Kenobi's boys, and he says Pong Krell told us to go to this location. He's crying. Mm-hmm. He says it was Krell. He told us to stop the enemy. The enemy was you, and then he dies. So. Rex is stirred into action. He grabs all of his troopers. He says, uh, what I'm proposing is highly treasonous. You know, step out now if you're not afraid of this. Everyone steps forward. He says, we need to arrest General Krell. For treason against the Republic. Mm -hmm. So there's a scene backlit with the greenish blue mists of Umbara. A flying V of troopers is resolutely marching towards a temple in lockstep. Rex at the front, he puts on his helmet. They go into the brig and they unshackle Fives and Jesse and give them blasters. And then they go up against a fully trained Jedi Knight with four arms. So they go up and they say, General Krell, I'm relieving you of duty. And he says, it's treason then. And... Rex says, explain your actions for ordering your troops against each other. Oh, that. I was surprised you were able to figure it out for a clone. Mm-hmm. Pongkrell goes completely insane, chops through about six clones, then dives out the window. Then in the airstrip, he cuts through another like 30 clones, just a huge army of them and heads towards the woods. As Rex and Fives and the rest of the clones are following Krell to the woods, Dogma's right there. He had stuck off with the 212th. And Eventually, they get Dogma to stand down and throw him in the brig. 
Meanwhile, the rest of the 501st is following Kral into the woods. They split up into small groups, and you can hear one of the groups getting massacred. It's brutal. It's brutal, brutal, brutal. He breaks one clone's back against his knee. Mm -hmm. Like, he's splitting firewood. So one of the clones that he just grabs by the helmet and flings 100 feet is Tup. And Tup lands next to one of the Chekhov's tentacle beasts. The Venus flytraps. Yeah. <laughs> and Tup is like, hey, I've almost gotten eaten by one of these before. Rex heard Pongkrell towards me. So Rex gets all of his clones, remaining clones, to head towards Tup. And Tup taunts Pongkrell into heading right towards him. Pongkrell is grabbed by the tentacle. And in a crazy scene, he loses one of his uh, lightsabers and then right as he's about to get beat up by the other one, he gets stunned and is taken in. So there they are in the brig, and it's Pongkrell in the brig and Dogma in the brig. And they can actually see each other and talk to each other. And they're asking, why? Why did you do this? What's going on? Pongkrell in the brig with a bad attitude. Yeah, for real. So Rex says, why kill your own men? Because I can, because you fell for it, because you're inferior. I'm no longer naive enough to be a Jedi. I've first seen a new power, and the Jedi are going to lose. Rex is like, oh, so you're a separatist now. You're working for Dooku. And Pongrel says, I serve no one's side, only my own. But someday, Dooku will let me be his apprentice. And when the Ambarans retake this airbase, I'll be free and you'll be dead. Mm. So as the clones are discussing what to do, they get a message from Kenobi, and they figure out that the uh, Barnes are headed right their way. It's going to be a crazy attack, and that they can't get in touch with Kenobi because Pongkrell sabotaged the transmitter. They go back down to the brig. They have, they're ready to execute Pongkrell because they can't let his information get to the Barnes. And he's sitting there doing the old, you're not strong enough to shoot me in the back, an unarmed man, because you're too good. Dogma, with his... Hands cuffed, swipes Fives' blaster and shoots him. Shoots him straight through the back. A Jedi, his general, he mm -hmm. goes against everything he believed and he executed Pongkrell. And says, I had to. He betrayed us. So as the scene resolves, as Kenobi wins the battle for the planet, and as they're carting off Dogma to presumably the military brig on Coruscant, Rex says, what's the point of all this? I mean, Why? And Five says, someday this war is going to end. Rex says, so then what? What happens to us then? And that is the end of this episode. <sighs> A lot of clones died. And Pongkrell is, I think, rightly regarded as one of the most heinous villains of the entire Clone Wars. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely want to talk about it. Well, where do you want to start? I'm all emotional so yeah 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 okay well then i want to start with something a little lighter okay we didn't talk about pong krill's voice last episode and i want to bring it up oh yeah it's great it is so great the voice actor for pong krill is dave fenoy mm -hmm. who does an absolutely incredible job he's credited with all four of the umbara episodes and that is it mm -hmm. for the clone wars so you know, he came back for Rebels and he did a couple of the video games, but the fact that he's done so little Star Wars work makes me feel like he must very occasionally do special favors. Mm. 
Like, this man has such a phenomenal voice that he's just got to be booked and busy 90% of the time. And occasionally he'll be like, oh, call from Dave Filoni. <laughs> better uh, better jet on over to the Clone Wars studio. The animation for Pong Crawl is also superb, especially in Carnage of Crawl when he goes into combat mode. Oh, my gosh. Watching him move because he is a... Eight foot tall, four armed man. With like a 12 foot reach when he is using his mm. double sided, doubled up lightsabers. Yeah. They're like Darth Mauls, but he's got two of them because he has four arms. So he's basically got as many lightsaber ends as General Grievous. He really does. He's using the force. And so when he's surrounded by clones and shooting at them, it's no problem whatsoever for him to block them. He does all sorts of cool moves, moving a lightsaber spinning behind his back as he's flinging people. And at one point during the fight, he actually just turns his lightsabers off and starts breaking clones because he's reveling in the battle. Yeah. He's punching them in the face or in the gut. He's breaking their spines. Yeah. Yeah. It is Carnage is a bit of a spoiler, but it is a very appropriate descriptor for this final horrifying scene. Yeah. Um, I want to talk a little bit about how interesting some of the aesthetic choices were just before we get into kind of the meat of the episode. Mm -hmm. We get some really interesting clone models all of a sudden. As far as like their faces and their armor? Yeah, different kinds of armor, different kind of tattoos, different haircuts. Top has a man bun, which mm -hmm. I think is fantastic. There's also, I feel, a slight difference in faces, enough to be somewhat recognizable in, in like uh, a narrowing or a hollowing of the jaw. The, sh the cheekbones are sharper. Yeah. Rex is kind of still the archetype, but then... Fives looks a little harsher than him because Fives has like a little sporty goatee He's and a flat so top. He's so funny. He looks just like a like a gym bro. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he kind of is. He's the arc trooper. Yeah, yeah. And then top with his man bun. Jesse has a cool full face tattoo. Of the very fine. Yeah, it's the Republic symbol, which looks just like the Imperial symbol later, oh. and it's like centered on the middle of his forehead or the side of his forehead so it covers one eye too mm -hmm. it's a very cool tattoo extremely cool and then dogma has a very cool tattoo as well he's a weird off-center kind of leaf pattern i couldn't figure out what it was supposed to be no it's like a v or something like a flying v it is very interesting it covers his whole face yeah and dogma really comes into his own in this episode too yeah so if the first two episodes of this arc, um, Darkness on Umbara and The General, for mm -hmm. me, those were really about the visuals, the purple and the red lighting and the mist and the blasters and the cool technology. But I think the second two were about the score for oh, me. Tell me more. So especially the last episode, Carnage of Krell, the chanting – Gregorian chanting in the background mm. when the clones discover that they've been killing each other is incredible. Oh, that scene it is, is tough. It is wrenching. Mm -hmm. Then they immediately get this dark orchestral march when mm -hmm. they go after Krell. Well, as I alluded to, that scene is a call forward to the March on the Jedi Temple in episode three. Mm. The clones moving in a big flying V up the steps of a temple mm. is the motif of episode three of Order 66 of all these things moving wow. forward. And so seeing that ahead of time, as well as seeing the prophetic visions of Pong Krell, that 
the Jedi are going to lose. Krell was pretty much right on every front. There is a new world order mm-hmm. rising. The Republic is going to lose the war. You know, he has a sort of delusion of grandeur about his part in all of it, that he can do all of this work on Ambara, and then Dooku's just going to be so impressed that he's going to make him his new apprentice. But he was right on most of his points. Yeah, I agree that compared to the other acolytes of Dooku that we've seen, I Pankral is not as scary as like a fully supercharged Maul or Savage or Interesting. Even you think so? Asajj is really scary. Asajj is scary, but the reach that Krell has with his lightsabers is horrifying. Yeah. If I were Dooku, I would be like, yeah, cool. You're a good fighter, but it's not that we have like enough troops to burn things. We're on the the low manpower side of this fight. So your tactics are not as wise as you thought, even though I know it was all a ploy. And the other thing is, you are far too ambitious to be my acolyte. Mm. Yeah. He uh, he prefers his savages. Well, yeah, that's the Sith way. You don't want your apprentice to outshine you because when they outshine you, that's when they kill you and take your spot. So you need to keep your secrets from them. But you need your acolytes to kill your master for you. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if Pankral would be able to take on Palpatine. Yeah. Interesting. Final score thing that I want to talk mm-hmm. about, and then we can move on. The riff on the force theme that plays several times was really beautiful. It played first when Fives is describing how baby Anakin <laughs> blew up the control ship in the oh, Phantom yeah. Menace. General Skywalker blew up a ship from the inside when he was, he was eight kid. years old. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it's just, it's um, it's heartwarming and it's beautiful. Mm-hmm. And then it plays again when Rex is looking up at the supply ship exploding after Hardcase has sacrificed himself. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. I, I cried. And cried a little bit. Well, that's because you're a hard case fangirl. I'm such a hard case stan. Oh. All the clones are like, I'm they come from, you know, subsection Z. And as soon as they're born, they're like, here's the heavy weapons and here's your suicide vest. Like, get her done. <laughs> we know we don't know how to fix it, but something is wrong. With Let's these get guys. at her. These little weird clones, because that's where heavy's from, you know. Oh, <laughs> I love them so much. <laughs> Yeah, I didn't notice the score so much because the plotting of this really got to me. And I was trying to do a lot of research into any real world examples of this incredible level of treason. And fortunately, it's rare enough to be basically unheard of Mm. that even the most famous traitors of all time, your Benedict Arnolds, your Mir Jafars, are people who switched sides like halfway through a bottle. And that resulted in a lot of deaths, but it's not like they were spending their own men in order to impress the enemy. Because that's like a deeply disturbing darkness. Yeah. And the ordering your troops into a free fire zone, having multiple groups and saying that they're wearing friendly armor 
Because like friendly fire casualties are a fact of war. That happens a lot. And there's been some really bad instances of that. Even like during World War One, there are a few battles where like two armies would march into each other and be firing and with everyone wearing dirty brown outfits shooting rifles at each other, you can't tell. But the mm. difference between clones and umbarans is enough that you'd be like, okay, that you have to really be maliciously misinformed. I think the master stroke of this is that last episode, we talked about how similar the Umbarans are to the clones. Yeah. Their build, their facial features. And it was such a master stroke of Krell to say, oh, yeah, they stole your brother's armor mm -hmm. because the emotional impulse, the emotional pull of that is enough to get them distracted enough without every other aspect of the Umbaran landscape that we talked about. It's it's hard to see and there's mm -hmm. difficult terrain and it's constantly dark and their passions are ignited. It was a uniquely twisted way of kind of digging the knife in. It really was. I have two points to make on that. One of them is the use of the word brother and the other one is the twisted use of it. So starting with the twisted bits, that's what Pongkrell is saying to Dogma at the end. You are the worst of these fools because I relied on your blind obedience. Oh my God. Yeah, that would, that would wreck me mm -hmm. for the rest of my life. And, you know, it wrecked Dogma. He, that's why Dogma killed him. Yeah. But I noted... In a lot of the previous clone-centric brothers, clone-centric episodes, there's an emphasis on the term brothers. And it's less so in this one. Mm -hmm. They don't really refer to each other as brothers so much because there's not as much conflict in between the clones. The biggest conflict between the clones comes in the form of Rex versus Fives, mm. where Fives is acting as like, we have a responsibility to live. And five says we have a responsibility to follow orders. Rex says we have a responsibility to the system. Yes. To something larger than ourselves. Which is interesting because that calls back to when he met with Cut Laquane in the deserter arc. Ooh. Yeah. And the other conflict between the clones is between Dogma and the rest of them. And Dogma's name is indicative of what his deal is all about. I know. He's got such a great name. He's, he's a strict rule follower. And so following the rules is important for him, regardless of the personal cost. I wonder how much like the rest of Pong Krell's clones that he has burnt up are like Dogma. Mm. And perhaps the chaotic influence of Anakin Skywalker has changed the 501st and made them all into crazy people. Yeah. What I noticed is that Anakin is present in this arc for about five minutes, but his shadow is over the entire four episodes. It is, for sure. Because he's the leader of the 501st and his style mm -hmm. is so contrasted to Krell's. Anakin values freedom of thought and independent thinking and innovative ideas. And he welcomes the suggestions that the clones bring him and he takes them when they're good ideas. And he might have put his clones in equally dangerous situations as Krell, but he never lost their loyalty. Yeah. And sure. so Rex had to learn some really hard lessons in this arc. And 
It's interesting that I see Anakin's influence in some of the realizations that he has. We find out that Krell just needed Rex to squeeze the loyalty out of the rest of the clones. So we get the answer to my question from the first episode. What does it mean to be a good soldier? Mm -hmm. Is it just following orders or is it doing what you believe is right? And the episode answers that it is not enough to follow orders. Yeah. Rex has been trying to do a good thing and he has been used to perpetuate something evil. Mm -hmm. And he finally figures that out and he has this incredible line. We're not droids. We're not programmed. You have to learn to make your own decisions. He's saying that to dogma. Mm-hmm. And how many clones would come to that realization without having the seeds of Anakin's leadership? Yeah, without Anakin and also Kenobi. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because Kenobi has the same type of thing. But speaking of the clone's honor has always been something which Anakin would unquestionably stand to. He's he's one who'd be like, of course, clones are honorable, you know, like they don't have to follow the Jedi code, but they'll do the right thing every time. Yeah. It's just you have to learn to make your own decisions is such a radical thought. It Well, especially for the clones, because the clones were indoctrinated. They have been born and bred and trained and raised for one purpose. And they're which all like is 12 war. years old. And they're all like 12 years old. <laughs> yeah. And in the context of this episode, you have to learn to make your own decisions means that you cannot rely on anyone to have your best interests at heart or to know the right decision or know how to move forward. That is such a lonely and scary and terrifying thought. It means there's no one else to blame when things go wrong. Mm -hmm. You have to learn to make your own decisions no matter what. That is an interesting lesson to pull from this episode. I appreciate that. I think it's uh, that's a valuable lesson that I've learned a couple times in my life. Mm. And sometimes it can be traumatic to feel that lonely because in reality, we are very rarely truly alone. There's always someone else who's struggling through the same things you are. And that's especially true of the clones, right? Because all of the clones in the 501st are struggling with the same things, which is why this episode was able to pull such an interesting cast of characters together. Mm. Uh, Jesse, Hardcase, Fives, Dogma. Most of these guys were introduced in this episode. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And they have these really co- – and this is the first time they're given a face and a voice. And, and this, a cool look. And a cool look and that they're separates looking good. That shows that they have – sort of a group think about them, but they do also have internal conflict in their decision-making and what to do, but they are able yeah. to think for themselves. So this is the way of walking the walk and talking the talk because mm-hmm. the whole Clone Wars, every clone-centric episode has been saying, yeah, the clones are individuals and they mm-hmm. have their own thoughts and they have their opinions, but I'm not sure that we've seen it so effectively illustrated until the Umbaran arc. So- As part of my research for this, I was reading about why the Vietnam War and the Iraq War and Afghanistan War, they were all counterinsurgencies, were uniquely emotionally distressing Hmm. to the soldiers involved in them. And it's because you would go on patrol every day and you'd be involved 
in like you walk through the same town every couple of days and then all of a sudden the landmine would go off and blow up your friend. You'd be like, why didn't the villagers who I thought were my friends tell me about this landmine that they I know that they know who put it there oh. as opposed to being in a pitched battle all the time. Yeah, when it's very, very clear who's the enemy and who's mm-hmm. the friend and the lines haven't gotten blurred. So when that line gets blurred, especially within your internal chain of command, that's when things are really shaky. And that is why the concept of treason of a traitor is so horrifying. Yeah. I mean, I didn't even put together the very end of Carnage of Krell when they get the holocron from Kenobi about mm-hmm. how the Umbarans are all swarming on the airbase. And Rex is like, we cannot leave this traitor alive. Mm-hmm. He could devastate the Republic with his knowledge. Yeah. And that's why it's so horrifying to have a traitor who's so high up in the ranks. Of the Jedi, Mm -hmm. of the Republic military Mm -hmm. structure, he has more knowledge and more influence than so many people we've seen in the Clone Wars so far. And that's one of the deep structural failings of the Grand Army of the Republic. Ooh. That it is run by Jedi. It has a handful, honestly, of clones working for them. And both of those are separate from the actual populace of the Republic. So there's economic pain, as referred to in the Funding the War arc, but there's not that personal pain. And I brought this up a lot of episodes ago in Mystery of a Thousand Moons, that it is strange that the Republic is made up purely of Jedi and clones. Mm. The fact that the clones have differentiated themselves out, are still brothers to each other, but have this internal conflict between them shows that there's really bad cracks in the whole organizational structure and the fact that a Jedi could get peeled off. And then what is supposed to happen when they get back to Coruscant? So that's why I absolutely loved the end of the arc Mm -hmm. when at the end of the episode, the clones are wondering what's the point, what's going to happen to us when this war is over, when we were created for a purpose and it was to wage this war. Yeah. I love when people have existential crises about the reasons that they were put on the planet. Hmm. It is such an interesting and thorny and deeply uneasy thing to experience, right? And this is my question for Anakin too, because Anakin is also a product of his circumstances. Yeah, He's a Jedi who learned to be a general, maybe learned how to be a general too well, like adapted too well to his circumstances, No one knows what's going to happen to him when the war is over. Mm -hmm. And none of the clones know what's going to happen to them either. Even if they manage to survive the war, even if they manage to win, they have shortened lifespans and they were born and bred for one purpose. And Mm -hmm. this is it. And I love ending this arc on such a complicated, messy question. That existential sense of self and meaning. I think corresponds also with the difference in how the clones execute their duties. Hmm. Because for Dogma, his purpose is to follow orders. And so when he is not following orders, that's when he has his existential crisis. Hmm. But for Fives, he's like, I've tried following orders. I've broken more orders than I followed. I have lived. I have avenged. I've lived a full life and I've killed a lot of bad guys. 
Yeah. And his existential crisis was being thoughtlessly sacrificed on a suicide mission rather than getting to live up to his potential. Exactly. He's like, I am an incredibly cool ARC trooper with a very cool number. You can't just burn me up. And for Rex, I think it was that ultimate question of being in, of being put in this impossible position, finding out that he was used the mm -hmm. entire time and still not really being able to pull the final plug yeah. to go against his general in such a final way as to execute him. Yeah. And the summary execution of prisoners is like, generally a war crime. So there's actually a lot of war crimes throughout this episode. And oh my God, there's ones. so many. I almost, almost went through and counted them all. And then I thought, no, Anna, you have a life. You have <laughs> other stuff to do. <laughs> and then catalog war crimes. Yeah. I mean, generally a court martial would not result in summary battlefield execution. And what armies have found is that when you do have summary battlefield executions, it is extremely bad for morale. I would imagine so. With the sort of exception of the Romans. So the Romans had a process they called decimation. Ugh. And that you've heard of this term before. What it literally means is they line up the entire army and they pick out every 10th guy and execute them. And it's not that someone goes around and execute them. It's that their nine buddies have to execute them. Oh my God. And so that's how the Romans enforced discipline, but modern armies don't do that so much. Even the Nazis during World War II, each division level, which is about between 10 and 30,000 soldiers, uh, had a military court and they would do military trials, you know, on the fly for someone who was like lazy on duty or stealing or raping and pillaging, those kind of things. And you'd get tried and you'd get summary judgment, whatever it was. So even the idea of a court-martial is extremely sketchy to me because the court-martial process implies that the judge, the jury, the prosecutor, the defense, they're all part of the army. Yeah. And that is a deeply biased situation to be put in as someone who's on the stand. Yeah, it's... I think it's important because the set of crimes, like, because otherwise, if you if you put them in civilian courts, like every single soldier, you know, who's has seen combat is like manslaughter, manslaughter, murder, assault. But those things all fall under the purvey of normal war. I mean, even just vandalism and property damage. So you need to have following the rules of war. That said, there's also different, more strict rules of war that must be followed. And so a court-martial is just following a different set of rules, a different set of laws. It offers as much justice as any other system. It, I've often been intrigued at the difference between like the English-descended system, the common law system, which we have in America, and then there's a French system, which is quite different. There's other systems throughout the world in Sudan – the country is run by Sharia law courts and everything is brought before judges for summary judgment there. So the idea of following a different set of rules based off of your chosen profession kind of makes sense. It sounds scary to us as civilians because the consequences are so dire, but they're also protective of the people in the military. Mm. I don't have 
a hugely negative view about them, even though it's often used so strongly as a threat. And one of my deep core memories is the threat of a court martial being bandied about in Star Trek The Next Generation, because it is a real scary thing then. <laughs> because they're also nice. Aww. <laughs> the clone babies are nice, too. They're not as nice as the people in Star Trek Next Generation. Okay, that's super fair. <laughs> Do you want to talk about Krell for a minute? Oh, um... Can you talk about Krell for I a can, minute emotionally? Okay, I'm, just making sure. I am emotionally available Sam to talk about Krell. Sam is completely devastated by this arc. It's, it's tough. I skipped this one. Yeah. Um. So as part of our process, I watch ahead just to make sure that I'm getting everything in the right order, you know, because the, the Clone Wars are a little screwball when it comes to the order. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I, I skipped this one. I, I couldn't watch it again. I completely agree with you. I registered a formal complaint to Sam as we were watching the episodes. I was like, I would just like you to know that I have a very bad feeling about this and I don't want to watch it. <laughs> <laughs> and then right before we started recording, you said you just want to go back to happy fun times, R2 oh, and C3PO. so many fun times with R2 and 3PO. Remember when they were finding the Jogan fruit to make the cheesecake <laughs> a couple episodes back? That was so great. That was a Cad Bane episode. I know. That's the best part. So. Pongkral has an interesting thing in that he is a Besselisk, which is the same species as Jax. Jax's Dexter. diner. Yeah, who is like a... A lovable, donut-slinging, java-juice-making fool. He is the Star Wars version of the stereotypical dude behind the Greasy Spoon Diner. So fantastic. He wears a stained white shirt. He uses his forearms He's to... He's got a big beer belly. Yeah, one of his, you know, arms is scratching his butt. The other one is holding his pants up. The, the other, other one is giving Obi-Wan the biggest bear hug and then the other one's got a spatula with some like bantha sausage on it you know he's a real friendly affable character was dex the best part of attack of the clones i'm tempted to say yes either that or zam wessel's red lipstick <laughs> okay if we digress sorry <laughs> and then we flip it around and mm. we have someone who is the same species who is an absolute monster and out of all the people in all the Clone Wars. Because what are some of the other really good villains we've had? Uh, Cad Bane. Cad Bane is great. Uh, O.C. Sobek. Ooh, yeah. From the Citadel arc. Really cool villain. But started out as a villain, ended as a villain, did villain things. I really liked Martuk. Martuk is just a Nimodian who's like, I like being an admiral. It has a lot of cachet. This is my chosen profession and I'll do it. Mm -hmm. He's serving his duty. The idea of someone being a traitor is so incredibly beyond the pale mm. for what someone can be. It is unbelievable. The closest we've gotten that I can think of is when Cato turns into, or when Jocasta New turns into Cato yeah. in the Cad Bane episode where mm -hmm. they're, the holocron arc where they're stealing from the Jedi archives. Yeah. That's about as close as we've gotten. In Lightsaber Lost, there's kind of a turncoat figure in mm -hmm. uh, either Marcy or Ione. I can't remember which one. Yeah, but that was always like sketchy. The idea of a turncoat as a society is something which is legendary. I mean, that's your Judas Iscariots, your Benedict Arnolds, people whose names will resonate for thousands of years. But betrayal is actually a pretty common theme in Star Wars. It is. And that is the fantastical element about it because- the idea of a less effective general coming in, wasting the men, and then being a traitor the whole time is like something out of a crusade era 
fairy tale mm. because it's so horrifying because it's the biggest breach of trust. And that's why the idea of the clones being that professional army that only exists to be a professional army with, as they say at the end of the episode, they don't have a retirement plan. They don't have a... Uh, they don't have a pension. <laughs> yeah, they don't have the... Um, they don't have a GI Bill. So there's there's nothing for them to do. But when you are a soldier for at any point in human history, you are putting your life in someone else's hands and you hope that you don't get spent uselessly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I love how artistically Krell's arc was seated because the visuals have been telling us what's going on all along. Even if we couldn't trust our instincts, even when the clones were confused about what was going on, the visuals of the episodes were telling us. The fire reflected in Krell's pupil Mm -hmm. in the first half of this arc was as clear an indicator of a heinous villain as anything that I've ever seen, right? There's a blink and you miss it scene when Jesse and Fives are being marched out for their execution and Mm -hmm. Krell is at the top of his tower. It's framed like Saruman from Lord of the Rings. Yeah, it is a long skinny tower and you could just see his silhouette. Yeah, his silhouette. He's like the lonely evil force in his tall ivory tower looking over everything with Mm -hmm. his all seeing eyes. Like every smirk, every, every taunt, we see it back. We play it back through this lens that he is a force of darkness. Yeah, there's some discussion on if his yellow eyes indicate that he has already fallen to the dark side. Because we do see other fallen Jedi have yellow eyes. Oh, wow. But it's not like you can just call someone out on that because that's a little bit speciesist, you know? Yeah, I mean, how many basilisks have you seen hanging out? Yeah, I don't like know. literally two, you know? Yeah, yeah, been, yeah. 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 Oh. The thing, though, I know you are devastated by this arc, but something about Krell being revealed as the villain actually dampened the emotional impact for me. I agree in the sense that it's a little heavy-handed. To me, his crimes would have been more horrifying if he was a Jedi all along. He started out a Jedi, he did all of this horrific shiz, and then he returned to Coruscant, he sashayed away, and continued to be a Jedi. I think that would have changed my perspective on the Jedi more deeply than this cop-out that he's like cooler than the Jedi, cooler than the Sith, Mm -hmm. yet he wants to be Dooku's apprentice. It cheapened it for me a little bit. I see that. I feel like that would have actually made it hit a little close to home if he had been like, you burnt up the entire 501st except for like one squadron and now we're promoting you. Like- because yeah, that is yeah. that is like you know everyone's story with their like worst manager. <laughs> Absolutely, like, I it would have yeah. been it would have completely wrecked me, and it would have completely wrecked my opinion of the Jedi Council. And I think mm-hmm. I kind of need that. So yeah, yeah. If they ever do a retcon, that would be horrifying and pretty compelling. Yeah, the fact that Pankral died is the closure at the end of this episode. Yeah, and you know what? It is a kids show. <laughs> We say this this yeah. Carnage episode is a kid's mm-hmm. show. I appreciate 
the way that they chose to tie this arc up and the ways that they chose to leave it open, mm-hmm. it it would have been it would have been interesting. But sometimes you need closure. Yeah, especially for this concept of high treason. It's just such a rare thing that when it actually happens, it's it's unbelievable. Like seeing someone who is obviously working actively for the enemy admits to it and then still expects to get away with it like Pong Krell. Oh my god, yes. That that was that hit closer home to me on this watch through than I think any previous one. Due to a lot of reasons. I mean, we're recording this in March of 2022 and there's there's a war on, there's yeah. uh, a bunch of court cases going through our legal system. There's all these things related to asymmetric warfare, to loyalty, to honor, as well as to treason and the obfuscation thereof and wasting resources. And the spending resources. of lives. The, the spending, spending of, of lives, lives for a senseless war. And that comes down to the crux of it is, I think, Pong Krell's point of view that might have sent him on this path because he might be thinking... And he he refers to clones almost as objects as opposed to people. Creatures bred in a laboratory is what he yeah, calls them. Yeah, and then he says disposed of as opposed to executed, mm-hmm. destroyed. Mm-hmm. He's referring to them in this way, which separates out their humanity. Mm-hmm. And in a way, that might be a reaction on his part to what he has been asked to do as a Jedi general. Could be. We talked about how the Jedi are so sensitive to mm-hmm. the living force that it's Horrific that Krell doesn't seem to be affected by the deaths of the clones, and maybe he cut himself off from their personhood. Yeah, and now he's feeding on their deaths. Mm. Yeah, I. Uh, my final question is, what do you think happens to Krell after he dies? We know Qui-Gon was studying the living force and learning how the Jedi can become mm-hmm. force ghosts. So what happened to the Sith when they die? I think we should talk about this after Return of the Jedi. Oh, okay. Yeah, which I know is a ways away because at our current schedule, we're going to be <laughs> end of 2022. We'll definitely be wrapping up Clone Wars, probably Bad Batch, and then we'll be moving into end season and uh, episode three. Yes. And then I think we'll go back and revisit episodes one and two real quick. Yes. And then come back and get into the era of the empire mm-hmm. phase two yeah and there's uh rebels and the original trilogy in that and then we'll be on the post-imperial era okay so we'll come back to that question in like a year and a half okay stay on the edge of your seats folks <laughs> you, you can sit down okay you can, you can keep breathing is it that time Time to play taps for all the clones who oh, no. took a took a Heather rip waxer rip rip hard case. Those are the only named clones who got it this time. Ponkrell rip. But you're asking if it's be- time for Baywatch, and I, I was. think it is. Yeah, okay. let's do Baywatch. It's time for Baywatch. So sad. <laughs> All right, who who is the Baywatch survivor of the week? Well, my Bay did not survive. Oh, no. So I was once again split between Hardcase and Rex. 
But I gotta do it. It's gotta be hard case. Hard case does heroically die. Hard case heroically retains his base status too because he gets a great line, first mm-hmm. of all. Jesse is like, you know, I'm only doing this because I don't like Krell. And Hardcase is like, I'm just doing this for fun. As he's like flying this starfighter that he has for some reason been allowed to fly he twice. barely, barely <laughs> squeaks out of the mm-hmm. airbase in that thing. And Hardcase. Okay, so he, okay, so here's the thing. So Rex was in a position of power mm-hmm. and was used like a pawn. And Hardcase put himself into a position of power and then used his own autonomy to do the right thing. No one was asking him to spend his life, but he saw the big picture and then he saw the solution and he did it anyway. Mm -hmm. He did not have to sacrifice himself and he did it so that his brothers could live. He basically salutes Jesse and Fives and says, Live to fight another day, boys. Mm -hmm. This is my day to not fight another day, but I'm going to go out with a bang. Yeah. He heroically sacrificed himself for the greater good. And that just gets me right in the feels. And he didn't even look at the explosion, which I feel bad because I'm sure he would have enjoyed it. I bet he would have loved that. (laughs) Okay. The other, so one thing is like heavy wax or hard case. My brave boys, they Mm -hmm. just, why do they always have to die? I love them so much. You know, that's one of the dark things about all the really gritty war stories is that no one comes out of war unchanged. Mm. No one actually survives the war. Mm. No matter who comes out the other side, they're a different person. And that's true of a lot of things in life, but... Those characters, particularly Waxer, Hard Case, Heavy, were just the kind of people who, as a trope or perhaps in real life, seem to just be the ones who are gonna gonna bite that bullet because they are from like a different era, a different way of fighting. Mm. You know? Yeah. I wanna remember them like the way that they were, just heroically going out. Yeah. Un- I- unchanged, unscathed, just like with a smile on their face. I think that's That's inspiring. I'm reminded of a battle from like a thousand years ago in England, and it was this nameless Viking on a bridge. And the Viking just, it was like a narrow footbridge. And this Viking just held the bridge Mm. against hundreds of people until enough of them swam underneath him and stabbed him through the bridge to take him out. But that like one person can do that. And that, Personal heroism is different, but every aspect of heroism is explored in this arc. Yeah. And and, and what Hardcase does is he exemplifies the opposite of what Krell believes. Yeah. Krell believes that the clones are expendable. They're basically beasts. They have no thoughts of their own. Mm-hmm. They're just bred to die. And what Hardcase shows is that one person's individual choices matter. Absolutely. Also, instead of being ordered to die hard case chose to sacrifice mm-hmm. which is explored in shadow warrior yeah yeah tarples when tarples says not die sacrifice yeah so that's the theme Ooh, of this arc that's it's so interesting good. to have these callbacks to the episodes which we thought were throwaways yeah and they're actually really important for setting the tone of this arc oh, i love that yeah 
Final amazing thing. The fortune cookie for plan of descent is the wise man leads, the strong man follows. Mm -hmm. And in the end, hard case was the one leading. He's like, Fives and Jesse, get out of here. Mm -hmm. They're the one following orders. Hard case is the one leading. And so hard case canonically was a wise clone. A wise guy, eh? The Clone Wars have spoken. The prosecution rests. Oh, my god! It made my day. And that's all I got. Who is your bae? <laughs> mm. I'm going to go with Rex. Yeah. Uh, for two, two reasons in this arc. One of them is when he says, I ordered surveillance of the Delta that we're invading using these ships, which I'm totally covering for. To make you look really good, you General Crow. Really, and he like, says it in such a way that it would be impossible to reprimand him for it but, but it's you know there's something yeah. shady he's also like and also f you you know like yeah, there's yeah, yeah, no yeah, yeah. no way to avoid that rex Punk gets so it. many amazing lines in this mm-hmm. arc and the other thing is he is tasked with a very difficult line to walk oh yeah and he does it and he also knows like at one point he when Dogma and Top are coming up, he's like, Dogma, come on. Take okay, it up with me. Amazing moment when he's intercepting yeah. Dogma and Top. They're like, okay, well, I guess it's not that important after all. And Rex is like, yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah. Which is, that is such the right thing to do. I uh, I say this not in job interviews, although I kind of wish it was acceptable for me to do so, that a good manager is like having an uncle in the mafia. Because... <laughs> Things just happen for you. You know, like you want to be first violin. Little little Susie is now Susie Two Finger and you she's want not a new part of iPod one falls off the back of the mob wife yeah, wagon. Exactly. I don't know. Like who knows? Things just the doors open for you. Nothing ever gets in your way. And you don't ever have to worry about it as long as and that's what a good manager does. And that in this is case, such a great, great comparison. And this is what Rex is doing. He's like, hey fives, I know you're gonna do this. Thank you for coming to me and letting me know you're going to do this. I will do what I can to not tell on you. That's the most I can do without like and still maintain my operational effectiveness. And Rex tried to draw the punishment off of Jesse and Fives after they survived the explosion. He's like, I'm the commanding officer. Mm -hmm. Their punishment is my responsibility. Yeah. You need to court martial me and not them. Yeah. That is brave. And Rex is a combat monster who has now survived fights with every single thing that the Separatists can throw at him, every single bad guy. He is just like, I show up, I have my two blasters. Uh, Sometimes I switch to one blaster. (laughs) (laughs) Gotta love plot armor. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, he's gotten shot before, like in the heart, but he got better, so... He's he's the best of a special note for this one. We talked a little bit about how Anakin and Obi-Wan and Ahsoka got character model upgrades. And Mm. this arc is where the clones all get character model upgrades. They look fantastic. They're all in phase two armor now. Yeah. Which is a little bit more stormtrooper looking and sort of cuts the line in between the episode two clone armor and the episode three clone armor. Okay, I thought I was crazy for thinking that the new clone armor resembled Stormtrooper armor. I'm so glad to hear you confirm that. So that is the interesting thing about Jesse's, about Jesse in general. Jesse is this clone and he's 
you know, solid B tier clone, not particularly heroic, not a crazy fighter. Like he was there in the Embarn Starfighter. He's got this massive face tattoo. And if you were raised on the original trilogy, you're like, why does that dude have the straight up Imperial symbol mm. on his head? Because the Imperial symbol is all over all the old Republic stuff. And that is what the Empire in the original trilogy is carrying on. They kept the same iconography. That is a really, really classic way to retain power and retain it a is. sense of authority during a regime change. Yeah, yeah. And it's interesting seeing it in that point. Jesse deserves a nod because he is the uh, he's the audience stand-in. Hmm. In yeah, I can arc. see that. I can yeah. totally see that. Fives deserves a shout-out for being the best. I got him last time. Yeah. Um, and my final shout-out goes to my boy Waxer, who loved Numa from the Ryloth arc so much that he drew her face on his helmet mm-hmm. right next to his kill count, which is hilarious and, you know, kind of twisted and dark. But he loved her because, you know, he was her brother. Oh. Oh. Pour one out for the clone babies. Yeah. They did so good and they had such a hard time. Well, a few of those clones we'll see more of, all the survivors, Fives, Rex, Jesse, Kicks, even Top. Top. Nice. Yeah, we'll see more of Top. So I really appreciate having this as a clone-centric episode because this is the core Clone Wars episode. It is an incredibly difficult episode to watch because of the betrayal, but it's also what the Clone Wars are all about is Mm -hmm. this episode. In a vacuum, you'd watch this, you'd be like, who cares about these guys? But with the lead up of the previous four and a half seasons, seeing the interplay between Rex and Fives and Dogma is incredibly satisfying. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's what it's all about. This is what it's all about. We have spoken. Next week, a few clones, more mm-hmm. aliens. So next week, we are going over the Zygerian arc, which mm-hmm. is the Clone Wars season four, episodes 11, 12, and 13. Yep, yep. So stay tuned for that. It is a political arc, but starring Anakin and Ahsoka. I love that. We have not gotten enough Ahsoka in, in season four so far. So this we is fantastic. Haven't. We haven't. It's been a while. If you would like more Skywalker, please feel free to become one of our patrons. You can find us on patreon.com. And we are on all of the social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you like the show, please rate and review. You can tap the uh, five-star button on Spotify or leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. And send this show to someone who inspires you to be your best self even when there's no roadmap in front of you for you to know what to do next. Oh, I love that. Yeah. And also send it to the dogma in your life, the person who follows rules and everyone shuts up when they enter the room because you're like, everyone's like, oh my God, stop reminding the teacher that we had an assignment (laughs) due, dogma. (laughs) Yes, that person. (laughs) That person. If you're still friends with them. Yeah, exactly, exactly. (laughs) And we'll see you next Tuesday. Bye-bye. Bye.